So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And starting this week, we are replaying some of the reflections from the Novena at Knock Basilica held early on this year. Today we can listen to Rosanna Ruan, who speaks to us on the power of prayer in difficult times. We'll follow this reflection with a piece of music by Monica Brown entitled Into Your Hands. Mary presents before us our own destiny. The essential nature of the assumption is that Mary, assumed into heaven, is, has reached her destiny. That is before us. Where she has gone, we hope to follow in our time. St. Paul reminds us that death has been destroyed. The last of the enemies to be destroyed is death, for everything is to be put under Christ's feet. And so, as we move along our pathway and our journey through life towards eternity, that we still have to live and work and exist and enter relationships here in this world. It's our faith that carries us through that. And sometimes our faith can be challenged, it certainly can be disrupted, and it certainly can Uh, maybe be questioned quite a lot of the time, depending on what happens. That's the same for all of us. It's the same within all our families. But that's where the time of testing comes in terms of our faith. Does our faith withstand those tests? Here to speak to us this evening is Rosanna Ruan, who will take us through her own experience with her own child and her own family in terms of those uh, particular tests the test of cancer. She will speak to us now on the power of prayer in difficult times. And she will help us to understand maybe within our own lives, in a practical real way, a real story that evokes courage, compassion, and most of all, faith. Please welcome Rosanna. Power of Prayer in Difficult Times. To those of you who won't know me, my name is Rosanna Ruan. I'm happily married to Ollie, and we live in a lovely area close to Athenry in County Galway. We have two beautiful girls, Saoirse Tin and Farah Rose Three. I'm very humbled to stand in front of you all today and be asked to share my family's story with you all. It's a very surreal feeling, as I myself am still dealing with the emotions of the past two and a half years. When you hear the term, I could write a book, well, I really could write one, about all the pain, grief, sadness, and every other feeling we have endured as a family over the last two and a half years. But I will try my best to summarize it for you all here today. I briefly go back 35 years to when I was seven years old. I had my appendix removed and went on to develop peritonitis, a severe life-threatening infection, which saw me have numerous surgeries to save my life. It was a very difficult time for my parents, 
my mother a nurse, and my father a full-time farmer. Even though I was too young to remember much of my illness, I do remember certain things, like the visitors, my mom getting changed in the toilets to go on night duty, and how lonely it felt when my dad would have to leave to go home to my other siblings. I also remember Padre Pio. I was that sick that I received Padre Pio's glove. I don't know if it's my own memory or the memory of hearing the story, but this was my first introduction to Padre Pio. From there on in, I kept a picture of him in my room and always prayed to him nightly. And though I was unwell for a long time after that, I did go on to make a full recovery. I met my husband, Ali, in 2006, and we became engaged in the December of 2007. Just four months later, he was diagnosed with cancer. This was to me the most devastating blow. We were planning our wedding. We had our whole lives ahead of us. He was only 30 years of age. I remained by his bedside night and day, helping him recover from his surgery. And when I wasn't beside him, I was lighting candles in the church in the hospital. I turned to God and indeed Padre Pio, and I welcomed any prayers that came our way. Thankfully, Ali made a full recovery, but it didn't go without years of worry and doubt. We went on to get married in October 2009, and just a few months later, our first girl, Saoirse, was born. She was hoped for, and most importantly prayed for, and she arrived on the 19th of January 2012. Shortly after she was born, my father told me of how much of a miracle she really was. He went on to tell me, with tears in his eyes, of how all them years ago, a doctor told him in Portiuncla Hospital that I may never able to be a child. In hindsight, I'm so thankful to my parents for not telling me that until after Saoirse was born. Unfortunately, like many others, we did go on to have our struggles with fertility in the coming years, and we even had a loss. But the want was so strong that we sought help from three different fertility clinics. And seven years later, we felt we won the lotto when our second daughter, Farah Rose, was born. We felt so blessed, especially now more than ever, as we have witnessed firsthand the joy that she has brought to us all especially Saoirse, over the last few years. We started 2019 on the highest of highs as Farah Rose was born on New Year's Day. What better day could you come into the world? We adjusted to life as a family of four and after my stint of maternity leave, I went back to work in the September and the weekly routine began. It was only 12 weeks later that our whole world turned upside down. And this would see us finish the most amazing year on an incredibly low. Saoirse was only seven years of age when she began to complain of a discomfort in her ankle. We felt she might have innocently hurt it at school, but brought her to the GP a few days later. It was Friday morning, the 29th of December, 19. 
I never in my wildest dreams thought we would end up where we did. On examining her, our GP advised that she would need an X-ray, and so my husband Dolly brought her to A&E. I stayed at home with our 11-month-old baby and told Saoirse I would have finished decorating the Christmas tree in time to watch the toy show that very same night. Hours later, Saoirse came home from hospital in a cast with a broken bone. She was so upset to be on crutches and somewhat distraught, as these crutches were so alien to her. We settled down to watch Ryan Tuberty at his best, and it was a great distraction. But at the same time, myself and Dolly were so relieved that we were only dealing with a broken bone. Two days later, on the Sunday morning, while getting ready for Mass, we received a phone call from the orthopaedic team informing us that they were looking over Saoirse's x-rays and because they wanted to rule out a few abnormalities, they asked us to come straight in. Without any further questions, we got into the car and all four of us arrived into A&E. We spent the day there while Saoirse had bloods and x-rays taken. We didn't know what to think, but hoped that we would have some answers by that evening. It was decided around 6pm that Saoirse would be admitted. We were told that we would not see a consultant at that stage and that it would be the next morning. So with that, we headed up to the ward. It was in the next few moments that everything would become more clear. As we walked onto the ward, we were met by the orthopaedic team. They introduced themselves, shook our hands, and had a chat with us and Saoirse. In some ways, it felt like watching a movie unfold before our eyes. We were so oblivious as to what was going to happen next. I will never forget Dr. Fenton Shannon's kindness and compassion to us, and when I look back, he treated the whole situation with such dignity and delicacy. I was feeding Pharaohs her bottle when he asked if we wouldn't mind stepping into another room. And with that, Pharaohs was now being bottle-fed by a nurse, and Saoirse gave us the reassurance that it was okay to go. As we approached this room, it was only then I began to realise that things were going to change once we stepped inside that door. And I caught Ollie's back pocket of his jeans and pulled him back, as I needed everything to stop right there in that moment. Ollie acknowledged me, and we both entered that room together. And it wasn't long before he held my hand, as we knew then that something was seriously wrong. The tears started to fall as our fears heightened. And that's when we heard the words no parent ever wants to hear. Your daughter has either an infection or a tumour. But everyone in that room that night knew that this wasn't an infection. You cannot imagine all that goes through your head when you are told your seven-year-old child may have cancer. We were given time to cry our tears behind closed doors, and then we had to wipe them away and go back to our two beautiful girls. We were allowed to bring Saoirse home with us, and the plan was to return the following morning for an MRI. We drove home that night completely numb, but did our best to hide it from Saoirse. Only weeks later, 
Saoirse went on to be diagnosed with a rare, life-threatening tumour of the bone called osteosarcoma. One in three children under the age of 16 are diagnosed with this every year. She underwent 10 months of intense chemo and all the side effects that go with it. Seeing an adult go through cancer is hard. It's very hard. But to watch a child go through it is unimaginable. We fought so hard to have our children, and now here we were, fighting to keep Saoirse. We were a split family. For every six weeks, Saoirse was four of them in Dublin having chemo, and Dolly continued to work and look after Pharaohs. It was the most difficult time, and it only got worse, as there were talks of Saoirse having to have an amputation. Ollie sought a second opinion in Massachusetts with the help of our GP. This took a lot of time and effort and paperwork, and unfortunately they were of the same opinion, and there was no option but for her amputation to go ahead. At the time, I asked the local priest if we could have a Mass for Saoirse. I felt that if everyone prayed, that the volume of prayers would be heard, and that everything would be all right. But just days before her surgery, the government announced that these large gatherings should not go ahead. I was gutted, and on the particular evening the Mass was due to be held, we decided to go to the church and light a candle instead. We drove a long, solemn journey to Dublin on the 17th of March 2020. It was lonely and it was eerie. There were very few cars on the road, no parades, the country had started to slowly close down. And as Saoirse settled in for the night, we watched Leo Varadkar address the public. His words couldn't have been more appropriate. He said, and I quote, This is a St. Patrick's Day like no other. A day that none of us will ever forget. Handing Saoirse over to the surgical team filled me with dread. How were we going to send her to theatre with ten toes and welcome her back with only five? But we did. A strength came over us and we did whatever it was we needed to do. It was a traumatic time, but Saoirse made a great recovery. It was slow due to the fact that she was still having chemo, but once she finished her treatment, her wounds healed and she had her first appointment to be fitted with her first prosthetic leg. Little did we know how well-known Saoirse would become in every household in Ireland nine months later, when she appeared on the Late Late Toy Show 2020, exactly a year to the day that she was first in A&E. To see her sit across from Ryan Tuberty filled us with such unimaginable emotion and pride, and to us it was the biggest reward she could ever receive for enduring such a cruel illness. We started to slowly come through the haze, and even though she attended for review every four months, we always carried the worry. We really weren't prepared for what came next. In April of this year, Saoirse told us she had a pain in her chest when breathing. Without giving it a second thought, we made an appointment with our GP, and as we predicted, she was sent into UHG for a routine X-ray. We spent another long day having X-rays and CT scans, 
and at this stage, myself and Saoirse were very fed up. It was late that night when the doctor came back and in a very subtle way ushered me outside the cubicle curtain. Her words to me were, do you want to ring your husband to come in? I didn't see that coming. I pleaded with her to not do this again, as if for some reason she was the cause of this incredible pain. I fought to hold back my tears and reassure Saoirse that everything was fine. Ollie arrived at the hospital and yet again we were sitting in front of a consultant hearing those dreaded words again. This time Saoirse's tumour was in her lung. Even the consultant had tears in her eyes. Her second diagnosis completely shook us to the core. We were in Dublin before we knew it, having talks with our oncologist. And because of where the tumour was located, even he himself was doubtful that surgery would even be an option. It all came back. The shock, the depression, the feeling of again grieving the life we thought we knew. What I thought I knew was not the case anymore. Which then makes me question so much more. My beliefs, my faith, what I thought I knew. I was so cross with God at one stage. We hadn't fallen out, but I wondered why he let all of this sadness happen to someone so young with her whole life ahead of her. But I soon realized it isn't God. It isn't any one person. God is there to guide us in troubled times. He is there for comfort, to listen, to heal. And most importantly, teach us something very important, to be grateful. We attended Mass at Clanfurch Church shortly after Saoirse's diagnosis and we were welcomed so warmly by Father Declan McInerney. After Mass, he introduced Saoirse to the statue of Our Lady of Clanfurt and gave her the prayer which she brought home with her that day. We strongly believe that we have Our Lady to thank, along with everyone's prayers, for the miracle that came next. A few days later, we received a phone call to attend a meeting in Dublin where we would be informed that surgery would now go ahead. It was an extremely difficult meeting listening to the risks involved in this major surgery, but this was hope. It really was hope, and we grasped it with both hands. Her tumour was growing at such an aggressive rate, there was no time for any further tests. This time round, Saoirse had thousands of people following her recovery, and when we took to social media to give weekly updates of her progress, we couldn't believe the amount of people praying for her. The relics, mass cards, holy water, candles, prayers, scapulars, oils are still coming through the door daily. And for this, we are eternally grateful. On the night before Saoirse's surgery, my sister arranged for Padre Pio's glove to be brought into Saoirse. A lot of permission had to be sought in order for this to be allowed, and we will be forever grateful to her and those who helped make this happen. We blessed Saoirse with the glove and prayed to Padre Pio. This, to me, felt like a sign. History was repeating itself. I was now standing in my parents' shoes the very same way they did 35 years previously. 
Now, more than ever, I feel a stronger connection to Padre Pio. So strong, in fact, that I have made a promise to bring Saoirse to visit his resting place in San Giovanni when she's able. I finish up by telling you, I don't have all the answers, but I have seen firsthand how the country and further afield came together and prayed for Saoirse. And I ask you to continue to keep her in your prayers as she travels her long road to recovery. Every night, without fail, Ali will say the special prayer to Our Lady of Clanfort with Saoirse. She knows it off by heart and it will always hold a special place in our hearts. Our story is what it is. Our story. But no matter what we've been dealt, we continue to be so grateful for all we have. Thank you, Father Richard, and for you all listening tonight. I will finish by saying this special prayer. Our Lady of Clanford, I come to you as one of your children who will never forget the importance of a woman like you. I come because I believe in you. I come to say thanks for the past and the present and ask you to bless me in the future. You know me, you know how I live, and you know my needs. Please help me, especially when I need you most. I have problems, worries, and anxieties, the same as everyone else. Help me to cope. So often I would just love to give up when life hurts me and people betray me. But give me the courage never to lose heart. Bless my family, my life, and my friends. Help me, no matter what, to believe, to trust, and to hope. Our Lady of Clanford, pray for us. Our Lady of Knock, pray for us. <laughs>